Welcome back. It's 2021. Here we are. Brilliant to see you all. Oh, I hope everyone had a nice Christmas. Thanks for sticking with us. And yeah. Yeah, you're very welcome back. Um, we're very excited. It's a new year. Uh, we've got a whole rake of things coming up. How was your Christmas? My Christmas was, uh, you know, honestly, my Christmas was both pretty good and pretty dodgy. So for various reasons, it was a bit of both, yeah. you know. But one, one thing that I have become, it's become a, a routine for me now, is that uh, I find myself in the last toy shop to close on Christmas Eve. It's happened to me three years in a row since we moved here. Never used to happen in Seattle, but I do a different one every year. One year it was Woolworths up in this kind of weird shopping center that we've, we've talked about before, where I went to the Woolworths and as I was coming out, it was like, you know, two minutes to 10. And this somewhat worse for wear guy in a Santa's in a Santa suit <laughs> came past on a moped oh, just lovely. looking like he had been dragged through a hedge backwards yeah. and I was like that says all you need to know about that shop and centre the, the whole kind of vibe of the place yeah. it was brilliant so anyway this year's chosen shop was uh, was the Kmart down in um, wherever it's called St. Leonard's or somewhere like that and uh, yeah it's a whole different vibe just um, bright, Panic. bright light and Empty shelves. Empty shelves. <laughs> and me. Yeah. The fluorescent so, really shines back off the yeah. white shelves, doesn't it? When it's, it's, just, yeah. it's like one of those things you tan under your chin with, but it's just empty shelves. So, um, so yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a special time. And then, oh, look, I've been thinking you know, a lot this. about it. Well, I just... What, if there's any kids in the room, get out. Parents, time to turn this off. I'm going to say some swear words. I'm not going to say some swear words. It's worse than that. It's worse. You can probably guess where I'm going. So, look, my boys are 11. And they're, they're still they're still having Santa. And I was sentimental about this when they were like five. <laughs> I kept on thinking, oh, I've only got like this many more years. And it's just such a special 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 time of year where you as an as a dad or a mom or a guardian but you if you're doing it you get to create magic you are the magic maker like my dad went and my mom went ott on driving me and my brother mad at christmas all of the magic of it, it like i can still i can like, still like think, what like what like oh like the one of the most famous ones was on his, but there was always a stereo in my in the kitchen, and it was one of the single player st- stereos, grey thing. And my dad ran extension leads out through the backyard, and it was a tradition every year for me and my dad, me and my brother shared a room for a number of years. And we go up to the back room, we called it, and we'd open the windows, which looks over the back of Meadowview, and then Meadowview's like a big valley, so we're on one side of the valley, mm-hmm. so you can see our side, and then you see all the other side where the the bigger side of the town is. And we'd always, the three of us, at this tiny window, and we'd just sit, and, or lean, I should say, and watch, and watch him like, over there, over there, to the left. And I was driving, like, that was going to be sad to get to bed. So then, one year, he gets that tape recorder, some extension leads, down the back, in behind the shed, in his office during the week before that, gets his keys, 
and does and then leaves it for another 10 minutes sick to our stomachs sick to our stomachs so uh, another classic which actually happened i got to relive it this year was i'm getting towards the end of my my belief and i haven't written a letter it's christmas eve and we just have this tradition where we pull this like the, the um in metaview in the front room we'd pull the sofa right up in front of the fire so you can get your feet to the either side of the fireplace mm-hmm. we just we just shoes off and put it on the hot and then watch the tv over there and it's like whatever 10 o'clock 10 30 on christmas eve and my dad's like, have you written to santa i look down shake the head no no mate what are you gonna do i don't know he'll just he just knows he'll just know how about this I heard that if you write a letter and put it in the fire, the ashes will go up the chimney and Santa will be able to read it off the top of the chimney. I scramble, <laughs> I get the pen and I write this letter. We put it on the fire. It, I can still see it now going, it was embers and I went, sat there for a second and I could see the writing and then just, and it's in flames. And the next morning I had all this stuff. Fast forward to this year, we've gone on holidays up to Bright Towns, one of my twins, I said to him, have you done your letter? Knowing he hadn't. Nah, Santa knows everything that. He knows what you're thinking. So, and he's giving me these kind of shrugging the shoulders looking at me. So on Christmas Eve, I actually cooked a, a, a roast over an open fire. And I said, hey, when I was your age, I made the same mistake. And I don't know if it was Santa knew what was in my head or if this works. I told him the story about the chimney. So we put it in the fire next morning it worked that it actually worked so that's what i mean about magic right mm. so but i'm also very aware that it's going to come to an end and it's like it's killing me i actually had a tear the other day because i was thinking this when i i'm gonna need to tell them that thank you for letting me be your santa i never thank my dad for it mm-hmm. <laughs> thanks dad it's 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 such a special amazing thing that you can that we get to do but it's also cruel it's, it's very very cruel it wasn't until i kind of reframed that i could thank my dad and i could thank them for letting me be that and it was meant how much it meant to me to be able to do that for what, them what, what what do you mean when you say it's cruel oh you're pretending it's lies <laughs> well magic is lies right i like i, I, know. I, I don't know i don't yeah. know about that but yeah um Anyway, drink of water and move on. I didn't think I was going to get that upset. But oh. it's just so, like, it's, when you get older, you're cynical and magic doesn't exist and good stuff doesn't just happen. And it's lovely. For those years, they're fucking magic. I can swear because we're talking about Santa, right? But it is. Like, it's magic. Yeah. And that's what magic is. Yeah. I, 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 I feel like the, well, the, the the Christmas moment that the younger ones in our family always remember was just that we would always get up really early and go down to the kitchen and the kitchen had a fluorescent light and there was like there's four corners in the kitchen and a table so there's room there for five bunches of presents coming this fluorescent light flashing on and off at like six in the morning just you, you get a glimpse and then and then it's dark again and yeah. you get a glimpse and and, and that's the sort of that's the memory for me is that yeah. is that moment of just like what 
what is it? What's here? What's here? Like the quiet, the quiet house. Mm. The There's no other feeling you know? like that, is there? Yeah. I'll, t- I'll just tell this. This happened by chance really quick. I'll tell this really quickly. We went down to my wife's family is down in a place called um, Portland. So we went down there one year and we we're in the family house and we said, right, we're going to go. And we went to, back to the house. We were going to stay. And we had Santa tracker out. Like I wind my boys up crazy with the Santa tracker, knowing exactly where he is, all that kind of stuff. Santa's going to be here in 20 minutes, boys. It's time for bed. Just one more page of the book. So I'm reading this book. One more page. Next minute. I don't know what happened, but we heard on our roof and every dog in the neighborhood just started losing their minds. And straight away, I just went, oh my God, he's here. So we had two different bedrooms. Brooke took one boy into one bedroom. I went into the other. Both of us on the bottom of these bunks. I'm I'm 99% sure I had towns in my arms. And he's like sobbing with terror <laughs> and both of us fell asleep and it was horrible and I, I got in so much trouble from Brooke for taking it to that level where there was actual tears of fear but to them Santa landed on the fucking roof man like close call <laughs> and they're going to have that for as a memory hopefully the way I've got my, all my yeah. memories and your memories yeah alright well talking about gifts that's a beautiful that's a beautiful thing that's really lovely thanks for thanks for saying that Talking about gifts. beautiful gifts. Yeah, well, we're delighted to say great way to start 2021 for the project. Um, we received a grant from the City of Greater Geelong COVID Relief Fund. And we're enormously grateful for that. It's like a vote of confidence in what we're doing from an external organization. So mm-hmm. it's pretty great. And it's it was really geared towards um, there's a, a series of grants that are geared towards helping artists and other people. Um, adapt to working differently during COVID and so it's been great for us because it's enabled us to to get hold of some new equipment that makes it possible for us to do better interviews at a distance with people so we're enormously grateful Um, so I'm sure all of our avid listeners who have actually maybe listened to all our episodes would have heard us working through the rough patches uh, and now we're, we're getting back into kind of pretty nice territory for a, yeah. lot, a lot of interviews so yeah. in part that's due to the, the money that Geelong has been able to give us so yeah. thanks Geelong thanks um, and we'll be talking a lot more about Geelong in the weeks to come <laughs> um, but today today's guest is uh, first guest of the year and her name is Eva Kelly and I'm not going to say too much about her because she gives you a really strong impression of her personality just from from the chat we have which is brilliant but I will tee this up a little bit so we we talk at the beginning about her grandfather John Kelly and he was a musician who has been enormously influential and I'm just going to tell you to go to John Kelly Capel Street John Kelly C-A-P-E-L Street and that's where you'll find the uh, archive of him and his work that was assembled by his granddaughter Aoife who you're about to hear and that's what we talk about at the beginning of this interview and if you have a look at that you'll be well placed to really enjoy what we talk about if you don't manage to do that you're going to enjoy it anyway because she's great crying mm-hmm. so um and there was one other thing to say about this which I can't remember <laughs> so I think we should just get on let's get in there Aoife Kelly Thank you. 
Aoife Kelly, welcome to the Blarney Pilgrims podcast. Thanks so much for having me. How are you? Yes, I'm very good. I'm very good. Delighted to be talking to you both. Well, we're to- we're very delighted to have a chance to chat to you. And um, what was that first tune? Um, it was called Mary Brennan's. It is um, my great great granny, and um, it's a tune that I love. It's, I mean, some people call it a fling. I mean, it's kind of polka y. I've no idea actually what it is. And it's uh, she was a woman from um, Scattery Island, and that's where the kind of music comes from on my granddad's side. But I just um, and we have a photo of her. She's kind of the whole reason I did um, the project on my granddad, the website on him, because we had the information about her. And uh, no, I just love the tune. It's just really nice to play. But it, it's hard to find. I was looking for a tune to play after it. Um, Granddad's recorded playing it, but he never had it. He only played it on its own. So I said I, I'd um, just play it on its own as well. So so uh, let's start with um, a little explanation about who your granddad was. Um, who, who was he? Um, my granddad's name was uh, John Kelly, which is the same name as my dad and my brother, which gets confusing. Um, so, uh, yeah, he was just a well-known musician. Um, he was uh, from West Clare and then he was kind of in the middle of the music scene in the uh, 20th century in Dublin. And um, so just, yeah, a lot, he had just a lot of interesting tunes and stuff. So a lot of people kind of he would he had a little shop in in the city center so which was a kind of a mecca for musicians in in the city so what what sort of uh, period was was he in dublin he moved to dublin in 45 and right. uh he had the little, he bought the little shop and got married not uh, not long after that and he died in 1989 so for what all was the, the kind shop? of the shop was a little it was called a horseshoe and it was kind of a little um I don't know how, what you'd call it, like a DIY shop. It just sold everything, like from yeah. from papers to nails to hurleys to paper, yeah, to like sweets and stuff. So it kind of sold everything, brushes and. And anything wh- whereabouts was it? At the bottom of Capel Street, or the yeah. just at the opposite side to the to the river. So um, yeah. and they they lived they lived above the shop first of all, and then they they lived across the road. My dad and my aunties and uncles. And the project you're talking about is a website that is is really a, an online archive of his playing and the story of where he came from, and it's a it's a really beautiful collection of artifacts. Yeah, yeah. I I had wanted, as I said, from that um Mary Brennan tune um it's not played too often. It, it it's it's a known tune and um there's other tunes um associated with my family that we had a lot of information for and um it it would sometimes get muddled and I remember getting a call from a friend of mine who was doing a I think a master's or a PhD and he was asking me about my great granny, her name was Elizabeth Kelly, so um and my granddad's mother. And uh, there's a tune that a lot of people know. It's a very, very common tune, Elizabeth Kelly's Delight, that people play. And mm-hmm. um, he asked me about her. He needed her birth and death year. And then I said, oh, just so you know, she didn't write She didn't write that tune. It's just, you know, it's just named after her. And he said, oh, well, sources differ. And I said, no, no, we are the source. <laughs> 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 Like, it, it, so, you know, so I I had kind of thought before of trying to get all of the information that our family had into one place. And then a friend of mine 
kind of um, pushed me into it. And uh, Connell Early is his name, another musician. And he said, you know, you should you should apply for Arts Council funding because there's just no way I'm a web designer by trade. So there's just no way I could have done it in my own time, you know, or, or, you Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. had, had the, you know, the time and the money to do that. And uh, yeah, so I got the funding for it. And then the, 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 the project kind of exploded. Then I thought I'd get about 20 tunes on it. And then eventually turned into 50 tunes and researching all of the tunes. And then also, um, also, um, like putting like there's a hundred pages nearly on the website of all different information about them. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So was that a bit of a oh crap moment when you actually got the funding to do it? When you because I think projects like that you often you want to do it, but then once it's a reality, you start digging deep. You realize how quickly you go deep, and it, as you said, it was going to be a, a what you thought was possibly a manageable size project in the beginning, that which turned into not that it became unmanageable, but it was a much bigger thing than you know, set out. When did that kick in? Well, like I thought that I'd get it done in, you know, easy within a year, you know, but then it turned into over two and a half years from the time that I, well, a two and a bit years from when I got the funding to when I launched the project. I launched it last uh, September, September 2019. So, um, oh, so it's pretty, it's very recent then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just, it, yeah, it turned but it was mostly my fault that I'm so interested in everything. So in every tune, I was like going on to the, um, the records for, you know, trying to get people's birth and death years. And I was going into graveyards in the middle of nowhere in West Clare, trying to, trying to find information about people and, um, going down, you know, rabbit holes of trying to find out more information and where did this tune come from? And, you know, talking to all my friends and, yeah, it was a crazy, I, I just I, I that's one of the things I, I so love about it is that every tune has that has story around it you know it's it's so great the way those elements sort of um, are strung together you know yeah um, why would your grandfather John Kelly senior be so significant as a musical figure um I think he was just part of um, a lot of different things that happened within Irish music throughout the the twentieth century. Um, it was that um, as um, there's a little video on the website, and um, Eamon McGivney, a fiddle player, he says in it, or it was actually Harry Hughes who said it in the video that they uh, people like my granddad and Bobby Casey and those type of, those type of players they brought the music from the heart zone, so in the in the people's houses, then onto the mm. international stage. So my granddad, he came to Dublin, and he speak on the website. I have it. He talks about you know how it was um music wasn't played out a lot it was it was looked down upon as traveler music or um and you weren't allowed to be seen to play in pubs as well that was really really looked down upon in Dublin and so he kind of he when he he was working on a project with uh, Sean O'Riada and um he so the, and then shot with Sean O'Riada he he then played with Kjolthori Kulin and from Kjolthori Kulin the chieftains came so that was mm-hmm. um so that was really uh, like that really did bring in um Irish music onto an international stage and I suppose it was a time when there was definitely players around the country but he was just a very uh, um, obvious uh, person because of where his shop was in Dublin so everybody knew to come into him and so he would they would know where the music was and they would play with him. Did did he have a, a network in Dublin then before he moved there? 
No, no, he didn't. He moved from home in his late 20s, so 27. And then he mo- he worked during the Second World War, the emergency, as it's called here. Um, mm. he, he moved, um, he was working on the Bog of Allen and then he moved to Dublin and he had some money from his family that they had given him. And so he said there was no jobs in Dublin. So he, he started up. He started up the shop, but um, I think he did, in fact, know a few people in Dublin. But I mean, as we all know, Irish music is just such a great community. So I think that once you meet one person and they'll tell you where to go. So, yeah. What was it? What was he like? I, I um, he was um, he was he was lovely, but he was also quite he could be he could be difficult and uh he could he was definitely the you know the leader in the sessions that he was in and he would you know put people in their place that i've heard a lot of stories from people about um them being given <laughs> given out to in sessions or you know just like, kind tell of, me one of those stories like i've me, heard like... stories of him hitting somebody over the head tapping somebody over the head maybe with his bow <laughs> Like and or giving out to a guitar player who didn't know what they were doing, or you know, just kind of things that you would love to do in a session, but you're you're not allowed. <laughs> you're not sometimes, but yeah, you're not allowed to do. So yeah, he would um, definitely keep run a tight ship, as they say. But he was lovely as well. Like I, uh, his shop was this amazing place with them. Um, if you can imagine, just like all these little um um like nooks and crannies in the shop for all the different can, things that he sold it was a very old yeah. school tiny 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 shop like a couple of meters like n- not very big and i would mm-hmm. i was supposedly like i've told this story a lot but uh i supposedly the quiet one there's me and my brother and sister were very close in age i'm the youngest and uh i was the one that was allowed in the shop and i'd be drawing for him in the back and like um so i have a lot of memories of that so he was very kind as well but it, yeah yeah he was uh, and loved the music he was just obsessed with music we were just we grew up surrounded by all these you know, Junior Crehan and Bobby Casey and all these people. And, and looking at it now, you're like, oh, wow. You know, and at the time, sure, we were just kids. We didn't, you know, we didn't care. <laughs> mm-hmm. Such a lovely part of Dublin too, particularly in that time. Like, my dad used to take me up there in the in the 80s and it was always one of our favourite roads to go down. And it, well, that was maybe it was already changed at that stage, but I just have this kind of, all these old memories of walking down. Yeah, it's Catholic still a street. lovely you know, street. It's it's to, even today you can get anything that you need there. It's really vibrant, actually. It's a great part of the city. Yeah, I love it. I, I'm I'm qu- quite curious about. Uh, so I, I think about um, somebody whose name comes up quite often in this podcast for some reason is Paddy Kavanagh. <laughs> the the, the it's poet, of you, and um, <laughs> and and he moved to Dublin like mid mid forties, I think was when he moved, you know, around the city, you know, it's just, I, I have this, I have a certain image of, of Dublin as being this um, kind of pretty fascinating city, really, at the time. Um, Can I actually, just about that, Dom, is that because you didn't come to Dublin yeah. that often? And a lo- you kind of live maybe vicariously through those kind of, those literary totally, works totally and that, and and yeah. one one documentary in particular which was broadcast on arena um on the bbc i don't know 30 years ago called three irish writers which was about brendan Behan, paddy Kavanagh, and flan o'brien and and it was completely right. tragicomic um but it does give you a, an impression there's a lot of discussion about the um the difficulty for an artist living in dublin as well as the atmosphere of 
um, literary experimentation, I guess. And lifestyle experimentation too, I guess. Yeah, my, you reckon, my granddad <laughs> speaks about, um, or and my dad as well, about them being jeered on the street if people saw the fiddle case. So they would be openly, the local people in in Capel Street would, they, they just did not understand uh, like what Irish music was and they they held absolutely no regard for it and they just thought that it was hilarious so a fiddler as in like to <laughs> fiddle like that like as in the derogatory term that was very much it and granddad says he often would walk down the street and try to hide his fiddle case under his, his jacket so that's just the level of um derision that people had for it and then he said that as soon as Sean Ariadne started being recorded on the radio and recorded on on um, Radio Telefish Aaron that then people actually were like oh I know I know Fiddler Kelly that's what they referred to him as and I actually interviewed a man right who used to live around the corner from Grandad, and they, they even had a little song that they would just kind of sing to to jeer the Kellys going by so like it definitely wasn't an easy time and it wasn't a time when you know when people were you know lauding people playing Mm -hmm. Irish music it it just was it was so opposite to what we know today you know it's it's really fascinating as well like uh, on one of the videos on the website um one of the contributors talks uses this phrase about your granddad as Something like he saw the hard times or he saw the hard years. Do you know, do you know the little yes, yeah, I know line exactly. that I mean? Yeah. Is that what he was referring to? Yeah, no, it, but actually it was it was before then. I, I think mm-hmm. he saw the hard times in Claire when, you know, he he literally had to kind of fight his way to be even able to learn a tune. You know, now we can just do whatever we want. We can listen, we can go places. I mean, apart from coronavirus, but you know, there's so many ways of us to learn a tune, which I, you know, which I generally don't. And he had to, like, there's this lovely, this story about this lovely man called Patsy Gary, who was a very old man when granddad was young. And he would travel eight miles to his house and try to coax the man into to, 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 to like teaching him a tune. But even like it was very hard times at the time in West Clare. Like um, his dad, his dad liked the music, but his dad obviously was trying to run a farm and, you know, keep a, a family alive. And it was on the mother's side where the music was. So granddad talks about, um, you know, having to kind of hide the fiddle, having to you know, find times to, to play the fiddle and, and even saying that if they went to a dance or a, or a house party, you know, they'd be talked about because people could see them walking back home in the morning. So, so he, he, he lived through, you know, he, he still played even though he had to go through all of that, which I think is, uh, I think is amazing. It's kind of feels kind of punk rock. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. It's yeah, like I love it. just two fingers up to the norm. I'm going to stick with it. I like the music whatever you think yeah there's a great story actually about him um the, as i said that there's a little island called scattery island where our family are originally from that's my my great granny's family that's where elizabeth kelly um, was from and and uh, mary brennan was from and granddad went there for a weekend and then he was meant to go out for a few days i think he was old enough i think he was 18 or something and uh he he stayed he stayed three months <laughs> 
<laughs> because right. because Scattery Island was really well known for the for the music. They were um, quite a well off tiny island. Yes, right? it's really nice. If you ever get a chance to go there, they do um, they do the uh, rides there the, the, um, the over on the boat, and then they do a tour of the island. But they had loads of music, and they were quite a, a well off little town. So um, a little village because um, they actually owned the island themselves. There was a shipwreck and the, the local people from Kilbaha, where my granddad grew up, they rescued this, um, this ship and they got compensation um, wow. for it and they purchased the island. So um, they lived on the island and it was a, a great island. The land was good. And so they were the, the, the famine actually didn't really hit the island because they oh, they could, you know, they could. They could fish and yeah. they could do whatever they needed to on the island. So, yeah, they were. I, I interviewed a woman, um, the last woman who lived on the island. She She's in her 90s now and she moved off when she was 56 because she couldn't uh, she couldn't row the curragh on her own anymore. And uh, I asked her what seemed like ridiculous mm. questions. I was like, what did you do for fun? And she was like, she's like, oh, we played music or we listened to music on our gramophones. Like she said, every house had a gramophone I mean how how many houses that back then would have you know they were quite wealthy because they were all pilots mm. on the Shannon so they yeah. would be the ones to to row out to the big boats and they'd help them um go through the Shannon so that's how they made so they all had employment as well so they were quite well off so so then when your dad when your granddad was growing up um um his childhood was on a farm yeah it was on a farm yeah. near the tip near yeah. loop head um very very um near the tip of Clare. You quite often hear this phrase about people being, you know, the vehicles of a tradition or carrying a tradition, but I just have this very strong image of your dad as literally this r- repository of of tunes. Yeah, that's, it's a really good, ex- because he, that, that word repository is, like, I um, I can barely remember the name of a tune a lot of the time. Like, my friends in Australia, like, I, I like will, will attest to this. Like, I, I'm, I'm awful. The, the ones I play, I know, you know, my family tunes or whatever. But, like, other tunes, I just have no idea. And, like, he knew, like, on the website, there's, I found recordings of him saying, okay, I'm going to play, like, this man. And I got this tune from him 50 years ago. And this is the version he played. Like... <laughs> That's a lot of. I mean, I have no, I have no idea how we did how we did that. You I know, know. It's such a memory. That's so incredible, amazing. isn't it? Yeah. And mm. um, so, if how about we have another tune or two, and then um, we'll chat some more. Would you? Very good. Okay. Very good. Um, I'm gonna play. I have some. I I love horn pipes. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to play um, the first one is called The Ebb Tide and the second one, we don't really have a name for it. We just call it John Kelly's Hornpipes. Why, so why do you love uh, why do you love Hornpipes? I don't know. I just I, I really I just really like the the tempo, the the I don't know. Yeah, reels wouldn't be necessarily my thing. I, I could I could play jigs and hornpipes all day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's something very elegant about a hornpipe, I think. It's just I'll just I don't know. I don't play um a lot of like slow airs and stuff, so I think that I just really like the how the hornpipe sounds. Okay.
Wow. Brilliant. There you go. Beautiful. Is there somebody at the door? <laughs> yeah, I think it's my mom, but I think Charlie's going to get it. Charlie's going to get it. It's okay. Sorry about that. That's no, okay. Just, I, I wanted to ask you a couple more things oh, about lovely. your about your granddad <laughs> and about the project, if you don't mind. Um, no problem. Um, one of the things that I noticed about um, when we were chatting on the phone last week, you mentioned that when you would go into a session, people would say to you, when you'd said what your name was, they'd say to you, oh, are, are you one of those Kellys? <laughs> um, like, how well known was your granddad? Um, he, I mean, he was, he was very well known. Yeah, he was, um, most musicians n- n- would know who he is. Right. I mean, he'd be, yeah, like with the Bobby Casey's and Junior Crehans, I mean, they're all the musicians from County Clare. Yeah. He was just kind of the, you know, the old, older gang that was around and he was like the first fiddle teacher at the Willie Clancy Week. He was friends with Willie Clancy. He was friends, like a- any of the big kind of events around, you know, Irish music um he was he was kind of part of it so yeah he yeah he was very well known and yeah sometimes people would say like are yeah i've had that in a, in a session a few times are you are you those kellys which is i don't know what to answer i mean how many how many how many kellys are there well it's it one of the things about the period as well that he was in dublin is really that there's this as you mentioned the beginning of broadcasting in ireland and radio broadcasting and then television broadcasting and so there is this sense of this sort of transitional period I guess was he very aware of the significance of the music that he had that he was sort of preserving um like like he saw he saw things like the Willie Clancy getting just more and more and more popular and I suppose he saw the you know the the folk scene in the 60s and he was you know the the dubliners are known for being on o'donohue's but it was my, my in the, that pub and my granddad was there every week as well him and joe ryan had a regular session there throughout the i think it was the the 60s and the 70s until it changed hands and then they moved to the pub that was beside my granddad's shop called the four seasons in dublin so um yeah i think he, he definitely was aware like there's an interesting part at the end of um, so my dad did some interviews with my granddad in the late 70s um, and he recorded him on tape. So I have a lot of those cut up and they're on the website. And at the end of it, um, granddad says, sure, maybe somebody someday will be interested in what all this nonsense that I'm speaking you know about his life i love that snippet yes i know it's so great yeah it's it's so it's so lovely because you know i feel i felt a lot of, of the time in the project granddad was kind of speaking to me a lot of the time he was very good at keeping documents and he would write the date on it there's a lovely christmas card from sean O'Reed and his wife in it and he wrote like christmas xmas card 68 you know like so i I really felt like we were connecting a lot so when i heard him say that and i was like we do care like you know it was um it was kind of emotional for me in a way i was like putting so much work and effort into the project to get Mm -hmm. it going and then i was like okay no we people do listen people do care you know so yeah and i've gotten so many nice messages from the website people are just so kind and you know even correcting me which i'm i'm more than happy to do 
you know, a few people have, have given me different years for things or, you know, but mm-hmm. it, it's great that it's a website so I can do those things. Like it's not set in stone. So, and if people have different, you know, because it, what really the website is, it's not saying that everything that Grandad said was correct. You know what I mean? He could be wrong on, a, a, you know, on some things, yeah. but it's, it's his version of his, you know, of his life on it. So that's yeah. all I could really do. A, a, his, a social history of, you know, his, his life and his family and his, you know, experiences. Mm-hmm. Did you get any sense of, of his, um, of his perception of the, the the resurgence of the music? So when when it was when there was the upswing, was it all positive or was there a bit of, a bit of, like nowadays it would be like a hipster. He was into it before it was cool. Was there a sense of that at all, oh, or am I just yeah? Kind of- no, no, no. Yeah, he. I mean. There was definitely like, exactly the same thing that happens today. It's too jazzy. People play too fast. And what was his what yeah. was his view of the bazooki? Yeah, yeah. I, I cannot imagine. Like, no, uh, he didn't. No, 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 no. Absolutely not. There would be no way. No, I think that. Right. I mean, he was delighted that people. Well, how did how did that come across? Like, what like what did you like? Can you think of it? of how that showed itself like I when, think, when I asked that what are you thinking of yeah I think there's a there's a part of that interview where he he says you know he says you know people play too fast and you know oh and actually he said something really interesting he said the thing that the downfall of the music will be people's ego which I find like so correct you know because it isn't about you know, how big of a star you are or, you know, Irish music is really about us playing together and kind of teaching the music. Like, I wouldn't consider myself the best concertina player, but like, I know that I'm a good teacher and I really care about, you know, you know, giving the music to other people. And like, that's what I did in Australia. And actually, that in doing that when I lived in Australia it gave me so much confidence like I'm surrounded by like so many amazing musicians in Ireland always and so I I was always thinking that I I wasn't a, a good player or you know I would go to loads of festivals but I would mm-hmm. never play and then it took me going to Australia where people were like no you are good and you can play and you know we're so happy to have you here and that really made me like it, it just changed because now I, I, I'll i never go somewhere and not bring my Constantino or play. You know, I'm still can be my husband would attest that I'm quite shy sometimes going into a session if I didn't know somebody. But I mean, I will still play. I'll still be happy to play and be confident, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was actually going to ask you. So if, whereabouts did you grow up? Yeah, I grew up in Dublin. So, um, yeah, I grew up in Beaumont in Dublin. But my mom is from Kilfenora, where Tara Howley actually that you did the the other um oh, podcast yeah, with. Yeah. It's the same the same town as as Tara, yeah, just outside the town in a, a beside a little lake called Lakeen Lake. So people always think that you know if they don't know us, they they think that the music because of the Kilfenora Cayley band, you know, they think it comes from that mm-hmm. side. But my mom is a is a set dancer, and so we used to go to Clare every summer. We have a house there, and we had this really idyllic childhood uh like playing tunes and having the crack and we have a few we had a few other families around that were like our our our, our families like so the mothers were from Clare so they would spend a lot of time in Clare so the O'Connors which is like Liam O'Connor Mick O'Connor the, the fiddle player and uh, the flute player and, and Liam O'Connor the fiddle player who, who was the director of um, ITMA and um, the Irish Traditional Music Archive like we grew up with them and um, being in Clare for the summers and just cycling everywhere and having a great time. So that's that's where we we'd be between those Dublin and Clare all the time. That's where we were always. 
Are you a dancer as well? Yeah, I love set dancing. Yeah, there's not much to do in the 90s in Clare of a, <laughs> in the summer. So yeah, we'd always, yeah. we love, yeah, absolutely love, love set, set dancing. Yeah. Now is that, I'm only asking because I got a bit upset, obsessed with it a few weeks ago, the battering style, which is from, Kathleen, from that yeah, region. Yeah, I heard Kathleen. Yeah. I listened to that as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, the battering reason. That's actually more, they're, they're so good at it in, in West Clare where my grandfather was from. Like, you've no idea like there used to be a kind of a concert thing to my granddad every year in Kilbaha beside where he's from and like there'd be 10 year olds but you have to like I, I have to send you guys a video like oh, yeah. the 10 year olds were kind of ways. they're kind of they were kind of hunched over like they're old men like the men that's how they the style of it but they're 10 year olds and they're they're doing the best set dancing I've ever seen in my life yeah they're really good wow. they do some of it in, in North Clare where my mom is from in Kilfenora as well but um, yeah the West Clare they're unbelievable believable yeah they're, they're, they're the best I've ever seen it's an amazing like uh, it's an amazing thing to think about just about Claire and the size of it yet the sheer volume of mm-hmm. um, I don't know music and culture there right and that's yeah. just in that one small county yeah like Grandad speaks about it like even though at his time it was difficult to play and stuff. He said there was, it, it was, it, you know, people didn't move. So there was pockets. So say he like, there's all these areas that I know of, like Lachine was an area there and there was a couple of players there and they had a Lachine style. And then you move up the road to Kilbaha and there was kind of a Kilbaha style. So like, I'm talking like, these are like a couple of miles away from each other. And <laughs> yeah. so like, so he, like there was so much music around, like, <laughs> kind of on whatever on the underground whatever and the, the people who played they really loved playing and they had their own styles and stuff and they would you know trade and tunes and stuff it was yeah very a very very interesting time for the music you know because there was such and uh, like as well the the reason that granddad was kind of well known is because his music was quite different like we got the music from scattery island and scattery island they had a mixture of kind of Kerry music and they say that they got some tunes from norway because obviously they were mixing with people from the boats so like that tune right. that i played that ebb tide that kind of weird horn like it is it's a kind of a strange hornpipe that first one that i played um that um that probably came from um from from scattery like that's where he probably heard it and then like i i have some slip jigs as well and slides that i can play and they're all definitely from from that area so stuff that um like willie clancy had never heard grandad says that in one of the interviews on the website he says like willie clancy had never heard these tunes but still to this day like i can go into a session and play a set of tunes like a you know that that i think people know and nobody will know them They'll, nobody will have heard them in a session you know it's, it's, oh, no, i was go- i was gonna say actually just before i forget um granddad uh you were asking earlier on what kind of a person he was he had pet tunes that he wouldn't play for people so he had like a version of the cliffs mower and he didn't want anybody else to get it so he so if he saw a recorder around the place he would never he, he wouldn't play some of these tunes his favorite tunes so in actual fact i've gone against what he wants <laughs> completely <laughs> in sharing the versions and sharing uh-huh. everything but yeah, well he yeah. he does it's funny you mentioned that um weird hornpipe because there is a little clip of him on the website describing a tune i can't remember what the tune is before he plays it and he says something like this is one of those weird little tunes that I picked up or something like that. Yeah, he used I, words to that effect. 
I think that's the one. I think that might be the Cliffs of Moher one. Yeah, the right. the version of the Cliffs of Moher. It's very different than the, yeah. the, the normal one that's yeah. played. Yeah. yeah do you, do you have then? So, um, I'm I'm curious as to why, aside from the family connection, like why you were so drawn to preserving something. Like, why is that um, important I, to you? I think I'm a nerd and I think I love, <laughs> um, I think I just, lo- I love history and um, I'm always recording on my phone. Like, um, like now that I have the technology, I do it. Like my granddad on my mom's side is 91 <clears throat> and he is amazing story. So I just record him all the time. And I have a clear recollection of um, before Joe Ryan passed away, the fiddle player, we visited him in his house and, uh, and like he was quite an old man at that stage. And I just remember thinking, like, we have to record him. We need to, you know, we keep these tunes because they're going to be lost, you know, because like I've been surrounded by all those, you know, the older men who played and slowly, slowly they've all, you know, they've all passed away. Mm-hmm. And like even people like Brendan McGlinchey this year passing away. Yeah. I've wrote, written a piece actually for the Irish Tradition Music Archive, just a, 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 a tribute to him as well. So all these people have passed away. So I think I've always been kind of aware of um, how important it is and um, to record things. Yeah, there, there is something in that, like uh, um, to do with the transience of human existence. Right. I mean, we're here for a very short time. And, you know, that was really brought home to me when when my uncle died. Uh, he was my my dad's only brother, and I remember seeing my dad in the hospital crying, and I'd never seen my dad crying before, and I was probably maybe twenty at the time, but I remember just being really struck by it, and and it sort of crystallized in my mind th- this idea that that when someone dies, there are just numberless memories and stories and experiences that go with them, never to return to the surface of the earth. Right? They're just gone and so the beauty of preserving an artifact is even if it's just a sliver of the yeah. flavor of a person and what mattered to them in the world when they were here and what mattered to them like just the the loves they had in their life and the the challenges and the sadness and the joy and all of that you know even if you could just capture that even in just one tune yeah but i it's so much more than the tunes like of course i started granddad's um website about the tunes but then it's about the experiences and and i've said before that the website is you know obviously dedicated to my grandfather but it's about all those other people that were like the patsy gary who isn't well remembered at all but i'm a little bit obsessed with like he you know he was a man who couldn't read or write he was a traveling man he actually wasn't from the traveling community but he traveled around ireland and then he actually was playing at a wedding and then stole the wife which is before she got married which is just the best story ever and uh but he had a huge family and i can't find any of them and I'm I'm dying to find somebody to say like this man was important and we have information about this man and you know I have the census records on him and his family and you know there's there, there's so it was it's so much bigger than just one person so say for instance when I'm recording my granddad on my mom's side um Jimmy O'Donoghue is his name like like he remembers that there like Kilfenora is a tiny town he remembers that there used to be fifty businesses in the town like 
like three bakeries in this tiny, tiny town that's kind of one street and has, you know. So, like, I think that's all so important to remember. And especially for Irish musicians. I mean, it's very easy for us now to be, you know, we're like, oh, loads of people are playing and it's great. And isn't that session too packed? And, you know, I wish there was less people here. And then actually, no, we should be just grateful and should be so not elitist and just happy, you know, that people are playing and love the music. And, like, that's what I found when I went to Australia. Like, like, I think... um, I can't remember who was saying it. it was a costume maybe that was saying that it's just so interesting no it was mary mccavely actually in her in her interview and i know mary she's so lovely um and she was saying she was when she went to australia she was just so shocked that you know people that had no connection to ireland were playing mm. irish music and i completely agree it's just so interesting to me because i'm from this family who like grew up playing surrounded by it and there was every chance that I wouldn't continue playing because, you know, we just, we were surrounded by it. So we just had no interest. And then it was actually the O'Connors, that family that were in Clare, Mick O'Connor and Mick O'Connor's daughter, Aoife taught me the concertina and their family pushed us into cultists. Like I am not a a huge cultist fan. I think it's great for kids to be around other kids that play. I think that's the only way that they will play. So that was, that was true for us. We were, we were this family and and the O'Connors really, really, and, and I mean pushed because we had no interest because we used to go down to Clare for the weekend. So we did not want to be going to a, a cultist thing on a weekend. And my dad had, um, he'd adjudicated at Flas and stuff and he just didn't like the pushy mother thing. So, you know, he, or whatever, pushy parent thing. So um, they pushed us into it. And I'm so glad, I could not be more glad because they're all my friends, you know, and that's my life. Like people think trad is a, you know, whatever, a pastime. And it's, it absolutely isn't. It's so much more than that, you know. It's funny. Oh, so, so I think the, the Australian thing is, is funny, and I hope I don't upset too many people by saying this, but I think part of the reason why it can thrive and, and have an hunger here is maybe it's part of the, what I thought about Irish music when I was living in Ireland and I, was, and I wasn't involved in it. it. It's from an outsider, even an outsider that's living within. So if you're even living within Ireland and you're not part of it, it can be incredibly daunting. And it can seem like, the, the, like we, we had a laugh before, but uh, your granddad and how he could get annoyed in the session and stuff. And those kind of stories leak out, right? They're kind of, they're, there's famous stories. Every, if you hear of a session, you'll, you'll know of a, someone who, who's not afraid to, or at some, at some time has put manners on someone at a session. So from an outsider, you kind of, it's, it can be very intimidating. And my feeling is maybe in countries external to Ireland, the Australias, the Americas, England maybe, I think because there's not as much legend wrapped up with it as well, it just feels a bit accessible. And there's the, thir- the thirst for it and to be naive, is it's, it's, much, it's much easier to be naive. Yeah, like I, I completely agree. Like my husband Charlie is from Brittany in France, and he moved over. He's a flute player. He's obsessed with the music. He moved over. He moved over to Ireland at eighteen to follow his what I call his Beyonce, which was which was Matt Malloy, and he rocked up <laughs> yeah. to the pub, and he went and said, "I can't." Is Matt Malloy here? Which, by the way, 
how is that ever going to happen? And Matt was actually there and he played a tune for him at the bar while standing at the bar. And Matt said, oh, you have to come in. And Charlie was there for every night then for the next six months or whatever, uh. which I think is is hilarious. But that would never happen. Like an Irish person would never, like uh, generally would never just rock up and say, hi, Matt. Like, do you want to hear me play? I mean, it's the, <laughs> it's the naivety of that. Yeah. That is brilliant. And Charlie had the best time ever. And, you know, he... he he couldn't have loved it anymore. So, I mean, yeah, I, I think... I, I don't think know if we could have... Like, even even thinking about this podcast, I don't know if I could have made this. If I had of If my life had a similar trajectory, if I had stayed in Ireland and I was still a numpty and I didn't know much about the music and I decided I'm going to write that wrong, I don't know if I would have because of exactly what you just said. Like, that, that essence of, oh, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> I'm too close. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, I, I think... Um, yeah, I think it's just, yeah, it's difficult sometimes, you know, to get into it. Aoife, could we have another tune? Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. What's uh, what's the top of your mind? Um, I have some tunes that I was getting ready. So I think I'm going to do some jigs now. Yeah, I'm going to do um, Be Misha Gold. Um, Patsy Garys, which is the man I was talking about, and another tune called Brian O'Linz. Oh, Brian O'Linz, right. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
Thank you. Brilliant. Um, are you sitting comfortably? I am. Good, good. Um, you talk about growing up with um, music all around you. I, I, I'm guessing then that you don't have like a first memory of music per se or playing. No, like I learned <laughs> the fiddle. I, I, I started on the fiddle actually when I was about uh-huh. four. So no, like, like whenever yeah. I see... If I see now kids or babies in the middle of sessions, like that's exactly what the my, our life was. It was a lot of um, like the McAvoys, like Catherine and John McAvoy, and they'd be in our house and they'd be playing. Or my granddad, like Christmases, he everybody would just have their instruments out, and that was it. We were just always surrounded by them, and like we we would be in Clare then. And it's funny when we joined Coltus when I was about twelve, um, like we would walk around, you know. Like we kind of owned the place in <laughs> at the Willie Clancy week, like in Milltown. Like, and one of the girls that I met said that to me. She said, "Are you those annoying redheads who walk around the place like you walk around Milltown like you own the place?" And I was like, "Oh my god, we are like we we are those annoying people." It's just because it was like a second home to us. You know, we were my dad was teaching, my mom was helping to organize, my granddad was there, everybody that we knew, all those old men that was always around. Like that was just. We could not have been more comfortable. So that's where we, yeah. So that's um, what. What was your um? What was your dad doing um for work then? Was he was he he was was working as a professional? Yeah, my dad had a business with his brothers. They mm-hmm. had a shipping company. Right. So him and and my um my my uncle Michael who has since died um he he was the eldest and then um and then Anthony as well my other uncle and then James the other one he's the fiddle player he lives in um. He lives in Miami. Mm-hmm. And and um, there, there were three of you in the house growing up, children? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we, we all play. We're actually the only... It's kind of interesting. Out of all the families, we're the only ones who still play. Sarah, James's uh, daughter, plays a, a, a little bit as well. But yeah, we're the we're the only um we're the only ones that kind of still play out of out of all of the cousins and even the brothers and sisters they don't they don't play anymore well apart from james and my dad they're the only two who still play trad did you do anything other than play music as a youngster and i'm, I'm thinking about you in your teenage years as well like you mentioned there about the the natural <laughs> tendency to 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 want to move away from something that you've been surrounded by no, I think that actually we moved towards it in because when we started being surrounded by people our own age, that was like a kind of a revelation, really, because, you know, most people would grow up and like I made a very good friend um, and called Elaine Clark in Australia, actually, is where I first met her. And like she would have grown up, you know, with her own gang of friends playing around at different uh, sessions and stuff. Whereas I was always just playing with my kind of family and stuff for, you mm-hmm. know. So when we actually got into cultists and then we had that gang and we saw people kind of, you know, striving to be better and practicing more and being really interested in the music. And I, we were like, well, I was like, oh, wow, that's that's amazing. So our teenage years were a lot of like flaws and competitions and I, I hate solo though it was always kind of group competitions the band Katie band competitions and we had a ball like going to slogas and 
yeah going into town when we were a little bit older like going into like going drinking but (laughs) but like going into day loss gigs and stuff like we did yeah we did great time and kind of moved more towards the music as opposed to no there was nothing else I hated sport no there was like my brother did he did Johnny does does that he lives in Clare now and um no it was just mostly no it was it was music so where was the music happening in Dublin for you in those teenage years? Like, where, where, yeah, it was. It was. Where it, where I mean, was it? Where were? Well, we it was Clontarf was that was we were in Cultus Clontarf at the time, and um, so that's where we'd and then it was the cobblestones, the the usual places like Hughes's, the cobblestones. I'm sure there was other places. Yeah, what what are they? Really, what are the usual yeah. places? <laughs> yeah, well, Hughes's is gone now. That it was a great pub for tunes, and um, that's in kind of in town. And the cobblestones. There, there are other, there are other places, but we like. I don't really. There's some on the south side as well, and I'm on the north side, so I don't really. I wouldn't Care. really know. Oh, there's sorry. There's the the Piper's Corner as well. That's a new. That's a pub in, oh, in town. Yeah, that's yeah. owned by Sean Sean Oak Potts. So Sean Potts, the whistle player. Sean Oak Potts is the the Piper. So it's called the Piper's Corner, and that's it. That's a great pub as well for tune. So paint a picture for me then, like if you're in that, you're, if teenage years, what like is that like? you're meeting at your friend's house and it's like practice a few tunes and you're heading into the session like into the into town to get into a session or is it were that at that age were you still more interested in something small quality music what was the mix ah uh, i mean i don't even know if i was going into sessions then really you know oh my dad had sessions so i'd go in with him to his sessions but like for our friends no we'd go we'd go play tunes at like when we were at competitions together, we'd we'd find a pub and we'd go and play and stuff. But um, yeah, 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 we'd we'd be practicing for specifically for competitions. So I mean, we'd get together at the weekends during the week or whatever, and we would be practicing specifically for something. That that's what we'd be doing. And then at the competitions and stuff, we'd get together with the kind of wider group of friends because you know most people from around the country from around your age group, you would know mm-hmm. them. So um, you kind of hang around with people from around your your age group. That was fun. So what, what what did you study in Ireland then, or did you kind of go? Was that when you went to Australia? How did you end up? No, here? no, I I studied in in up the road from my house in DCU, and I did a um a degree there, and then a few years later did a masters, and then when I was about twenty eight, I just decided I always wanted to go to Australia. My sister had been there for a year, um, in her early twenties, and I just decided that I I wanted to go, and a friend of mine. And we went to South America for, we, we traveled around South America for three months. And then I came home for a bit of the summer. Couldn't miss the Woody Clancy week. And then I went back out. I was in New Zealand and then in Australia. And my plan was to go to Melbourne because everybody said the tunes were better in Melbourne. So. <laughs> Shots fired. Yeah. So then, but actually I didn't make it to Melbourne. What? Well, of course I, I made it to Melbourne. I, I just, I stayed. I had a friend in that I knew in Sydney so we just got a place together in North Bondi not in Bondi and we were better than that we were in North Bondi so, and this would yeah, have been so in the middle of time. Bondi yeah. hipsters yeah. this would have been in the middle of the whole Bondi hipster thing too right yeah well yeah I'm, we th- just, I'm yeah, guessing time wise little town sorry it is, so well it is I, I have a, such a soft spot for Sydney it's it's so Sydney is a beautiful city I know and it's just very easy it. to is it? cruise yeah. Ah, and one of my, my favorite thing about Sydney is Sydney is a pleasure to have visitors come visit you because you can say, look at that. And then you walk a bit further and you go, look at that, look at that. And it's a city full of <laughs> things to look at. Melbourne, on the other hand, is a nightmare. 
because everything's about you need to try this cafe and you need to go into this laneway and it's just it's all it's all very involved. yeah <laughs> it's i like, remember that's, that's the first time the first time i was in melbourne it was me and a gang of girls that had traveled over my friends and uh we couldn't find a pub we were in the city center and like i think we had to go up some elevator random like people and we had to ask people we just could not find a pub yeah. it was the strangest thing ever but yeah I, I agree like sydney was just you know we used to get those like groupon vouchers and you'd go to you'd discover a different area then that mm. that day like that i'd never heard of you know we used to go out to newtown i had a, a, a cousin that um lived there and like that was amazing uh-huh. you know i just loved it around there and like we had a we had such a nice gang like i felt it was made feel so welcome i i, I you know i discovered the gaelic club and like paul mortimer P- mort was kind of organizing at the time and i made just some of the best friends ever we used to go to dirty nelly's on a sunday and um <laughs> that was brilliant and it was like ivan roberts and elaine jeffries and kevin doyle you know who's passed away since i mean he was he was like the you know organizing everybody and telling mm-hmm. everybody what to do you know he he was uh, he was gas like and uh yeah so that was great but everybody was so kind and i met like chris gent the concertina player and you know uh Darry Adamson we just had a we just had a great kind of gang there like the Swartzes were over there and American friends of ours as so well they were your whole amazing. group came from from the tunes was it so your, your group of friends ended up coming from from playing oh I actually don't I have no idea I think I was saying this to Dominic the other day like I've no idea how to make friends when it isn't around tunes it's just so yeah. easy you know I, I I moved to Darwin then afterwards for a while which I didn't like my ex-boyfriend was then um, in the army so we, we moved to he we moved to Darwin and there was no tunes there and I just remember thinking like oh, how do I, I yeah, there's you know they had like a kind of a folky session thing there but I just remember thinking I was so lost and I eventually mm-hmm. did meet some people that played but it was just it was very difficult because in Sydney it had just been so easy and even the gang in in Melbourne you know were were amazing and you know you'd go and have the you know the best tunes everywhere and you know Ben Stevenson and yeah. um like we we hung around a lot me and Elaine we like once again with the uh, the L fellas like we would like John Joe Noonan and Jimmy Malarkey and like Joe Fitz and stuff who would by the way all drink us under the table and we'd be going to bed earlier and stuff than them and they'd be given out to us and we had the best times ever like Jodie Moran and stuff with Mary McEvely we we went to a place which I think is the best Australian name I've ever heard so it's Tangambalanga which in an Australian accent is Tangambalanga which is amazing <laughs> uh so we we used to go there um and who runs that what's his name oh, it was Peter it was a uh, Peter Peter what was Peter's like Peter and Jill Gohery they had a, yeah, a big house yeah. there and it was uh Jody had or, uh, organized a few weekends for us there and we'd all go up and we had a like one of the nights we had a a, 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 a Kaylee in we, me and Elaine were staying in a little caravan and I thought it would be really good fun to get everybody back to the caravan to, so we had tunes in the caravan and about 40 people were shoved into the and I've never been happier like I have the video it is just the funniest thing you've ever seen but what I, I didn't know is that Ted in my head. It, no but that's exactly what I wanted to recreate and everybody thought I was kind of joking and then Jody's like okay the bus is here to bring you all back and I was like before you go can we all go into the caravan and we just had the best crack ever but what I didn't know was from the outside it looked really dangerous because it was kind of on a slant and if the if it had moved we'd all yeah. be dead but anyway it was the best it one ever it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. i know i know it was so it was great crack yeah we used to have the best one though so i like i have such good 
memories of you know going to the Nash as well and me and my dad and my brother and uh Cam Ather like we played on the like the big stage there like the the whatever the big tent there is I nearly died when I saw the size of it like so yeah we did. <laughs> and Elaine played with us as well yeah we had a great time yeah and so so then uh, at what point did you decide that you weren't go- that you were going to go back to Ireland like so yeah I mean, you're having this great was time was it was it just like okay I'm out of I'm out of party fuel now let's go yeah my family never really I mean it was never really an option to stay like I'm very very close to my family and um of course I could have stayed you know but um they were always like when are you coming back when are you coming back when are you coming back and so um I moved to Darwin did not like Darwin and then um just decided that Is it just the tunes in Darwin yeah it's just I'm a redhead I don't get a tan <laughs> it was very hot I don't do well in tropical climates like it was tiny yeah. I'm not used to such a tiny pla- I mean Clare is remote but at least you can drive a couple of hours like the nearest city from Darwin is what like a 40 hour drive like just ridiculous yeah. like it's just I used to come to Dar. I used to come from Darwin to Sydney for a weekend of tunes or whatever and that's like going from Dublin to Moscow for the weekend like I just did it because I needed <laughs> you know to see people I knew again you know I think I was just like I felt very strange like the uh, the the my my ex he was in the army and like they were all very outdoorsy like all the partners and stuff they were all very outdoorsy people and I was like but I really just want to go to a pub and play tunes like I just was I didn't really feel that understood there I needed I needed to go somewhere that's so funny um I think Darren and me have probably got sometimes have a similar experience where we live which is very sport oriented Darren, would that be? We've got outdoor partners who like the outdoors and doing things. <laughs> uh, Jeez, <laughs> be careful who you choose, who you follow. Yeah, with. That's dangerous. Uh, true story, I tell you. And uh, <laughs> I had to take, I had to take the kids to um, to cricket practice last week. Um, and uh, like, so cricket. Let's not even go into that. The the, the yeah, the, doesn't make sense. You run both ways. How, how does it make? I don't understand. There. it's all it's it's all wrong. Everything's kind of rubbing up against each other in the wrong way. But anyway. So I'm sitting at the cricket and I just thought I, I brought my whistle with me and I brought a couple of tunes and I thought I'm just gonna I'm just gonna sit here and I'm just gonna practice these tunes and I don't give a shit <laughs> who hears it. So I did. Now I love that. I love how uh, flu- openly we're talking about this too. It's like we, both of us are so confident that neither of our wives are going to be this far into episode <laughs> eighty. <laughs> <laughs> and that's no offense to you, Aoife. That's just you know yes, they, they, yes, they, they love yes, us yes. but uh, Darren, Darren, how, does, uh, there is a limit to love do you think your wife has actually listened to Darren because I can tell you roughly I'd say I'd say I'd say a good a good lot the, in the front half I reckon there's probably the first 30 oof yeah and then I just and then I describe the rest of them just in great detail <laughs> <laughs> which is almost as good yeah it's funny you say about uh, playing the whistle at the side of the at the cricket pitch because um, I had a friend Glenn he's a piper in Sydney and uh, he bought an electronic like set of pipes so he could play it on the so you couldn't hear it but he had like ear earphones so he -hmm. could play it when he was on the train (laughs) going in and out of work (laughs) so that's what he used to do on the train is practice tunes on his whatever fake electronic set of pipes which I think is brilliant in the car with all the windows up amazing it's a great idea yeah so um well uh 
before we have you return from Australia, do you fancy another tune? Yes, absolutely. Um, this is great. Are you, are you okay, Aoife? This is great fun. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's lovely. I could uh, literally... What did you, was there anything you didn't like about Australia? Was there anything <laughs> I didn't like about it? How far away it was. Yeah, okay. it was... Like, if... if uh, like, the Aussies could never understand... They would always say, what is it with the... What is it with the Irish people wanting to go home? And... You know, <laughs> I just remember saying, trying to explain it is very difficult. Like, you know, culturally, I felt that Melbourne was definitely ahead of, even though, by the way, Australia is an ancient place with ancient people that I find like that all very, very interesting. But like, definitely, I could feel that Australia was newer. I don't know if you, you get what I mean. Clearly. I know exactly yes. what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Like, um... So like I, I really miss traveling. Like I, I'm obsessed with traveling and you know, in Australia you travel for hours and hours and hours and you're in the same country with the same accent and you know. The, the trees say the same. I'm sure I saw that tree five hours ago. Yes. <laughs> down just, the highway. Not like... Yeah. I remember flying through, you know, when you go from so whatever Sydney to Darwin and you fly and like it's literally no, in, like I was going to say, I'm never going to say anywhere in Ireland is the middle of nowhere again because that is so not true. No, I didn't know. I had. Yeah, you've, you've obviously never got the train from Perth to. I got the train from Perth to Melbourne, and I thought, oh, this is great. This is a, like a three a three day train journey. I love it because I love trains. We did a train from once is enough. We did once, a train from Sydney to Brisbane once. Me and my family it was my sister and my mom and dad. And about uh, about I'd say two hours in, me and my sister lost the will to live. It was just the most boring thing that we had ever. <laughs> oh God, it was it was awful. Never again, actually, never again. Definitely not from Melbourne to to Perth. Jesus, that would be that would be some. All right, I'll play a tune. I'm gonna play. Nice. Um, I'm gonna play two reels. Um, the first one is called The Cabin Hunter and the second one is Delia Crowley's. These are other tunes played by my family. And the interesting thing is I discovered through my research that The Cabin Hunter, that first, um, I, I, it's such a weird title. It's actually, yeah, I was ask, it's, yeah. um, it means people going from house to house looking for gossip, which is probably me. Oh, like love The that. Cabin Hunter, cabin is what I they used to call the houses. That. Isn't that amazing? God, I love it. Wow, we're all nerds, we're you know that. Cabin that's, hunter. That's that's um that's this podcast <laughs> all over. You could call it the. Cabin I know a few hunters. cabin couple hunters. A couple of cabin hunters. Yeah, it's not too late to change the name, is it? <laughs> um. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Thank you. 
There you go. Brilliant. Thank Lovely. you. What were you doing for work when you were over here? Um, I was freelancing, uh-huh. so I was um, I was doing kind of websites and stuff for right. people. Yeah, around Sydney. Yeah. I what years were you here? Two thousand and eight, eight, nine, ten. Yeah. No, eight, nine. Yeah, around then. Right. So then, got the decision to go home was uh, that would have been tough, considering what was happening in the world at that time too. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't too worried. I was, I was kind of delighted to get home. It had been me and my boyfriend broke up, and um, we like like everything was fine but it's just I was missing home at that stage Mm -hmm. I just wanted to be home I wanted to be um kind of in the thick of things again and um yeah because I say it would have been tougher if I'd have been leaving living in Sydney actually but then and my my best friend Elaine she left and um she had gone home and um so I was yeah I was kind of ready to go home and then I I started working for myself then so I was just getting kind of little jobs here and there and then I've been doing that ever since actually I I I tried it so no I was lucky with my work you know even now during the pandemic you know I'm I'm one of the jobs that is I can work from anywhere really and um I've been I've been exceptionally busy because everybody needs websites so yeah it's so we're not going like been too personal does that mean that you had a breakup while living in Darwin yeah because I wanted to move home to Ireland and then he didn't so yeah yeah so that would have been that's 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 feeling pretty remote yeah you know, yeah relationships yeah. are falling apart and you're in darwin yeah that must have was. been pretty rough yeah i did have some good friends and it's actually i mean i can't give out too much about darwin because it's kind of how i know my husband now <laughs> because um i made friends i was in a kind of a band up there there was a few of us that played um Ronan Flynn Flinney, he's from Waterford, and Connell Toland, a flute player who is from Belfast, and Lisa Murphy as well, she's from Oma, and we were in this little band together, and it was, I met Charlie through, um, when we came back, Connell got married, and so um, he's a flute player from Belfast, and he got married in Donegal, and he knew Charlie, so it was at his wedding that I met my husband, so... Yeah, so, you know, it actually, it wasn't too tough. I mean, the breakup was tough and all, but then I was happy to come home. I came home for two weeks to Sydney, got loads of tunes in before I left and then came home and it was just before Christmas. So I was just kind of, I was just delighted to be home, tunes again and stuff. And uh, yeah, it was, it, it was fine. Yeah. Do you remember that? And Christmas was, at home. Yeah, I was, yeah. was going to say, do you, do I you remember, remember that? saying i wasn't going to give out about the the weather ever again <laughs> I, I i still give out about the weather but yeah <laughs> of course you do <laughs> um one quite strange thing about for me about going home always when i was living away um when my mum was still alive was that i'd go home and then i'd end up sleeping in the bottom bunk that i'd slept in when i was you know 10 <laughs> 11 12 right right yeah. up you know did you have the same thing where you'd go home were you, were you going home to your to your mum and dad's house or no 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 my sister lived like lived in the house where i am now i bought the house from her so i moved into the house with her and her husband so that was that was fine actually Mm -hmm. so i had um i had somewhere to come that wasn't just my uh (laughs) home home house so yeah that was fine yeah you go back and uh, back into a room with duran duran posters on the wall and stuff (laughs) yeah 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 it definitely wasn't duran duran posters but yes (laughs) i get what you're talking about Tommy Potts poses. <laughs> yeah. 
No, I'm not. I'm not that nerdy. I'm not like Liam O'Connor level nerdy, but uh, I'm I'm up there enough. No, it was, I don't even know. I don't think you think I had posters. So, so you meant, probably drawings. Go on, that I right, just go on. Sorry, Dom. No. Go ahead. No, no, no. It was just more reminiscent. But when you were away before myself and Aoife were talking, and some seagulls came flying past in the background in Dublin there, and like just that snippet reminded me like I was back in Meadowview in my old room. And and it happens to me every time I go home. It's like the, the this hearing seagulls is the posters on the wall for me. It just it just brings me to a, a place instantly. So anyway, as I said, it was just more reminiscent. Something that, no that I've been wondering about since you mentioned it a while back was you, you mentioned that you you weren't crazy about the cultists, right? And and yeah, yeah. Why is that? What what did you mean by that? Yeah, so it's just, yeah, it can be, I mean, I think it's like, I would still, I still get people that I teach to, to join cultists. Like, I'm I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Um, and in Australia or places like that, Japan, like, that is amazing to get, to get people together. It's just that I don't love it. And, and as well, the, the comp- competitive element, it's great in a way to have something to work towards. But in another way, it has absolutely nothing. To, and who cares if somebody thinks that you you who cares if one person thinks you are the best like it, it doesn't matter and and it's so ridiculous to say this play, flu player is better than this flu player like it just generally like it just kind of is you know it's such a personal choice so I mean it just doesn't make any sense to me especially for trad you know trad is about you know about histor- historical things it is about you know moving like some people moving it forward or like keeping the history the traditions alive like it's about so much more than that so I mean I think the Willie Clancy is amazing because it's independent it is not it is not about um a co- competition in the slightest and it is it is just it is just, I mean, our family are just so involved and I'm just so happy to be part of it and teaching. I've been teaching the concertina there since I was about 18. You use the word political and, and I guess there's there's no way of avoiding the political nature sometimes of um, the experiences we have. And you're a woman yeah. in um, a tradition that has often been very male-dominated. Um. How do you reflect on that experience? What What's that been like for you? I am a, like a staunch feminist and um, even doing my granddad's project, like the little video intro that we did, we traveled around the country interviewing people and there wasn't one woman that was interviewed. Like that really, not annoys me. Like it's just that it's so male orientated and to be in a session and be the only woman is just a very, very common is it's just so common or what is, um, it, it, so is it is it yeah. so common that it that it doesn't even make an imprint on you or or yes yeah 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 if you yeah. were in a session with all females you, it, it would be remarked upon it would be like oh it's the lady session or whatever you know so right. that is yeah it, it's very very much remarked upon i think it's it's definitely getting better i think um i think there is an issue with girls confidence and this is the same with women playing sport and things that they drop off at a certain point. So I have a big 
gang of girlfriends that I know from Cl- from being in Cultus Clontarf mm. and there is like 13 of us so so and me my sister plays a little bit and uh, like one other person out of those girls Neve McNeila she still plays and nobody else plays so why is that that's not because a man was telling them they weren't good enough like so that isn't the issue but the issue is is that it's it, it, they just don't have the confidence to keep going like they'll all say oh no I wasn't good enough I wasn't good enough much like what I was saying to myself before I went to Australia so I think there is a I think there is something that we have to address it's definitely getting better but like you will see it like in say all the concertina classes it is female 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 and then the best known concertina players are male or not the best I mean there's Kotlin and there's Adele Fox and blah 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 but I mean you know there's you know the the, the there's you know Cormac Begley and Lima Bryan and blah 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 there's a, a million more men in it you know so it's just um and I'm not saying that that's anybody's fault I just I would love to to try to delve in more as to, to why that happens and how do we get people to, to continue playing and to be to feel comfortable and stuff so yeah that's all got to do with the Misha Foster movement and the Me Too movement and stuff and kind of speaking about it and speaking up about it and so many times I think that you know if people ask me has anything happened to me nothing has specifically happened to me but actually I think things have happened around me but you don't even notice them because it's just so like sexual harassment or you know people being inappropriate that happens all the time and it's just not remarked upon and there was a big backlash there was a the program the primetime program on the Misha Foster so that's the the women in trad saying right. that things that happened to them that they were raped or that they were you know st- sexually assaulted mm-hmm. and there was this big conversation that was online afterwards with people that I know very well and other people like that I'm very close to that would have been like oh this is not I can't believe people are talking about this it's just ridiculous it makes trad look bad and I was like so awful that you're making the people who have been through this and who are so bravely speaking about this feel like they are less than and I said like like it is like online and stuff I was saying how, I was just giving out saying how dare people give out to these women for speaking about it for speaking their truths because they will help other people get a voice and it, there is a set of circumstances that are specific to trad like you like you mm-hmm. know families like as in you so it's in a pub environment people are drinking a like so that's that's the basic you know so people are whatever you know they think things are acceptable when they're absolutely not acceptable but then also people know generations so people know my granddad people know my family I know people's families we've known their parents their blah 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 so people don't want to speak up sometimes about people because they're really well known in the in the in, in in Irish music or you know or they know their parents or their kids or whatever you know it's very difficult for people to to and and trad is so mm-hmm. small I mean we all know everybody Dominic Darren we know a million of the same people from me being in Australia but you, you know like it's such a small community like if somebody was going to San Francisco tomorrow I could tell you I could tell you places to go for tunes and people to see for tunes. You know, everybody mm-hmm. knows everybody basically. So that's very difficult as well because people don't want to be seen to be rocking the boat or as 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 people were saying, that this these were kind of older people saying this on Facebook when the Misha Foster thing came out. They were like, it's going to make trad look bad. And I'm like, no, it's going to bring things to light. It has to be spoken about. It's just so important. And, and these women were so, so brave to come out in this, you know, small group of people, as in in trad, you know, they were so brave to say it. And it's just, 
it's really important to to get that the message out it's not acceptable you know we have to all be like try to understand where everybody's coming from and 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 talk about it it's so important was it like every time we start talking about it it reminds me so much of what happened in the catholic church in in the years previous right and it makes me like again like another hot button topic that would annoy people but it kind of like I wouldn't be a religious person, and I kind of think when if like that rocked the Catholic Church to to, and and it took away so much of what it was. Are, are these people reacting in the way that they're reacting because they're afraid that their music will also crumble? And I don't think that they are equated at all. But is the like is that what's yeah, driving? Think, like, where, where, yeah, is it people? The, the argument that people brought to me was that. It doesn't just happen in trad. It happens everywhere. Why are we making a big deal out of this? Why are we making trad look bad? Right. When we, why don't we look at jazz? Why don't we look <laughs> at orchestras? Yeah. And I was like, and I was like, no, because yeah, you, you can't just say all religions are bad and the Catholic Church not get talked about. Like it, it just doesn't, it's, it's such a ridiculous argument. Mm-hmm. You know, like, as I said, there's a specific set of circumstances in trad that, um, that makes it specifically difficult to come out but I mean of course that happens in other things as well but in in saying that this happened I'm not saying trad is bad like trad is my life like I love it like I could not speak higher I could I actually don't even know what other people do with their lives if I'm honest like how do you how do you fill your time or how do you make friends I, I've no idea what other people do with their time like I, I, I seriously yeah. so like um like I love trad but like we need to speak about this like be, like the the even the the misha um oh the fair play movement like loads of people would make a joke out of that at the time like they would say oh fair play if they saw a few women playing together like that happens that so is this so is common this, this being the the campaign to uh, get equal um airplay yes. representation equal billing yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. so i mean yeah i think it's yeah, it's just I, I think women just um, women just don't as just by the way, generally don't just put themselves forward as much as, you know, men. the men are like, I'm going to play and I'll do this session. And then they get known for doing the sessions, whereas the woman just hangs back a little bit more and then doesn't do it. You know, so I don't think people are actively. What's the what's yeah. the what's the dynamic there that 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 means that the woman puts herself in that position? Yeah. Right. Uh, it's. Yeah. Is it is it is what is that dynamic? Like, why does that happen? Um, I, I I think it's I think it's confidence. I think it is women are seen as being um, annoying and loud and pushy if they like put themselves forward for things. Like I've heard that about like well known female musicians. Like they're like oh she's so annoying on on in the internet. Like you know pushing herself forward, whereas a man could do the same thing and they wouldn't be looked upon in the same way it's just a it's 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 like it's it's interesting actually because you the the phrase you used as well like when you were describing yourself you described yourself as a staunch feminist which i I find really interesting because i find that word staunch and i was kind of thinking about that and it it seems like the kind of word that men would use to describe someone who is passionately feminist right but it has a but it has an aura about it about being starchy starchy and kind of stiff and you know staunch yeah. like staunch unionists 
Ian Paisley. Yeah, but I mean, you know, but I'm just not a. It's, it's so interesting those, the way those words sort of yeah, carry. Yeah, but it's it's that, because but. I am not um, a shrinking violet about it, and I will talk about it, and I will some of my the closest people to me who questioned it, and I will. I will fight them. I will I will argue with them and I will make them think about what they're saying. And online on Facebook, like I felt like, you know, I'm when you know, older than most of those girls who were or women that were on the the show for, you know, the primetime show. Mm-hmm. So like I want to show them like we you know, we are stronger together and and especially I, I think it might be as well maybe from my family background and stuff and feeling like I have a voice. So, um, especially within trad, I'm not saying that I'm important at all. I'm just saying, you know, like, like people know who I am and that I will stand up for what's right. And so when people were talking against the women in, they were just giving out about people talking about that movement. I was like, how dare you? You know, I, I will not, I will not back down. I will be staunch about it. And I will, I will back those girls who were so brave and going public with that. Like, I just think it was the most amazing thing ever. And so I just think it's so important for people to to be backed. Like I have this, like I'm on Instagram and there's this lovely cohort of like females that are so backing of each other, like the Nikabas and like Ruth Smith, who is a, a fiddle player and a, and a radio presenter like you know and everybody kind of backs each other up and it's it, it's just really lovely like you know you just get support from the women you know when you when you need it or hopefully that i give it to them mm-hmm. well Aoife, thank you so much you're very welcome it was lovely to chat to you guys so i'm gonna do um it's like a slide um slides and Slip jig dash jigs. I can't even remember. Sunny Crotties. Is it a slip jig or a jig? Whatever. I'm going to play some. Yeah. Some more. Um, Some more. The first one is, is called Scattery Island. The second one is called Sunny Crotties, who was a singer. And the third one is called, as, um, is called John Kelly Slide. And as somebody during the Billy Clancy, I always teach a lot of Grandad's tunes and West Clare tunes because, you know, they're in West Clare for a reason. And uh, one of the kids was like, do you ever teach anything that doesn't, isn't John Kelly's? And I was like, okay, kid, fine. Dig. So, (laughs) okay, great. So I'll play these now. Thanks so much for having me, guys. It was really, I really had a good time. Oh, thank you.
something else, right? What I maybe should have prefaced at the intro to this episode was uh, I had a very bad head cold and I took a little bit too much pseudoephedrine. And I think you can probably hear that come out towards the end. I'm getting a bit hyper. But anyway, that's that's my excuse. I was, uh, as I was, I was listening back to edit, editing it and I was like, were we in the same room at the time? We weren't. You were here and I was at home. Yeah, that's right. I remember because you almost bailed on it. I think, I think. Um, I'm sure yeah. it was a lot lovely edit of. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, the, there was nothing there. There was a couple of times where where you went very quiet, and I, I wasn't sure. If oh, I was going outside. You'd gone outside yeah. to have a, a sneezing fit or something. Yeah. You know, sorry so. if I was nipping out during your tunes. <laughs> um, so thanks so much, Eva Kelly. That was that was really fantastic and uh, just uh, really lovely to lovely to have a chance to to chat. So brilliant. We have a couple of other things we wanted to say. Um, as of next week, for probably about four or five weeks, I'm going to be taking some time off the podcast, and Darren's going to be uh, producing a few episodes. And um, I'm really excited to see what you're going to do. And who I you've don't, got, who you've you got, are not allowed to listen to them. No, no, no. You are no. not allowed to listen to any of them. I'm not going to until you're back because I'm I'm taking a break. So. Yeah. Um, I'm really looking forward to that and I'm really looking forward to coming back uh, probably at the end of February So, but I'm going to keep on continuing on I think uh, I wasn't sure and then looking at the events in the world again today I went you know what let's <laughs> let's give <laughs> something rolling. back and let's have some positivity in the world instead of everything being just as crazy it is today's the day when all those Muppets went crazy in Washington just to put some context around it yeah so um <laughs> Patreon, you know, when Dom's away, it'd be lovely for Dom to come back and find a whole rake of new patrons to champion us into <laughs> 2021. So the last three weeks is an example of, like, it puts everything into context. When you look at the people and the tunes that are within that those three best of episodes, we love doing what we're doing. We are creating a great archive and we can only do it thanks to you patreons that chip in a few bucks each week uh thank you so much for that and i just wanted to say too look if you are thinking about becoming a patron and you think oh i don't want to pay back pay for episodes no one ever pays back pays for episodes if you become a patron you only pay for the episodes which come forward and on top of that you only get charged once a month so at the first of the month is when they charge it so there's like probably what nine hours of content a week or a, a month that that's mm-hmm. out there so for whatever, whatever that is like the price of a pint less on a good, on a, on a good month we get up to 12 hours <laughs> yeah. you know, but for like it's not really only the, the price of a, a pint or you know whatever i don't drink so buy me something worth a pint yeah. <laughs> but it's it's not a whole lot of cash and it's really just paying me and down for the the work that we do and we really really appreciate that you're you, people are doing that and um yeah patreon dot com forward slash balani pilgrims become a saint get yourself knotted and be in heaven with the rest of those legends don't be not heaven i keep on fumbling on that word what is it heaven? you said it one time. it's not it's not well the, you're i i think of the firmament firmament that's the you're, word. you're you're up there with the stars yeah. kind of stuck to the ceiling in, in my the, head i go tabernacle and then i don't know why i think a testicles on the <laughs> <laughs> word tabernacle <laughs> anyway the sentiment is still there testicles tabernacle firmament you know what we're trying to say patreon.com forward slash baloney pilgrims if you can't become a patron I've said this before no big stress we want this to be out there for as many people as possible if you can do us a favour though hit subscribe on whatever app you're on at the minute that's uh, a big help I mean to get the update straight away yeah and as always feel free to drop us a line we get an amazing amount of messages from people uh, 
and this is not to congratulate ourselves it's just a it's just to acknowledge the fact that uh, that people really seem to appreciate what we're doing and we're we're very grateful for that we're very grateful for anybody who gets in touch and i'll be back in about four weeks and darren will be back, I'll be next, back week. next week all right bye bye hi my name is so please become a good subscriber to the podcast thank you